Why don't you turn with me to Isaiah 53 and then Matthew chapter 4. And today I have what I think should be an easy assignment, yet it is complicated. Um, and that is, I'm going to actually speak from Isaiah 53 in this series, All For You. This is the final installment of this series, All For You. And I'm actually going to speak in this series about the last phrase. So here's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about um, all that Christ has done on the cross, uh, that, that, that that sacrifice um, while for our sins um, was, was not the only thing that was purchased. It's not the only thing that Christ accomplished, that it was complete redemption, uh, that, that he died so that uh, in, essentially uh, so that we could live. And you have to understand death occurred in three phases uh, in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. They, they died immediately in their spirit. They died progressively in their soul and they died ultimately in their body. And now through Christ, there is redemption redemption and salvation and life. And so we are made alive immediately in our spirit when we come to faith in Christ and profess that faith. We are then saved progressively in our soul. And then we are saved ultimately in our body. Paul said it this way, this, this corruption will put on incorruption. And so, and so we're talking that, that, that Christ paid for complete redemption. And, and in a way it's immediate and yet a progress and, and yet a process um, and, and in a way, it's now and not yet. But the provision is completely provided. Christ will not, there is no other price necessary. He's not going to pay anything else. He's not going to die again, and you don't have to die again. Payment was rendered in full. That's what Jesus meant when he said, it is finished. Like, it is paid. I, I'm, I'm throwing my money on the counter, and I'm walking out. It's, it's all paid for. And so we've been talking about that because we want to understand that as we come to celebrate the resurrection, that that just doesn't mean that, that we can pray a prayer and get a ticket to heaven, but yet that God, um, through his grace and through his mercy, has afforded us complete redemption by the power of his Holy Spirit. Are you with me? And so we've been talking about that. So we're going to dive into Isaiah 53 yet again. It's the fourth uh, servant song in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is the most quoted prophet in the New Testament. He is quoted 21 times. Isaiah 53 is quoted seven times, making it the most quoted verse in, or the most quoted chapter in the New Testament. And so, so we pick this up, this fourth servant song, which are all depictions of Christ. Um, it actually starts in, in Isaiah 52 verse 13 and continues to Isaiah 53 verse 12. And so we're just taking one verse, Isaiah 53 verse 5, very familiar, very famous verse. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. And that's where we started our, our journey together. And says he was bruised for our iniquities and that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Now we've talked about all of those. Hopefully you have not missed those. If you miss those, you can get them on YouTube, on the app, on the, on, on the webpage. They are all there for you to podcast, what, whatever, whatever you do, they are there. I would recommend them. Um, but this is this last phrase and by his stripes, we are healed by his stripes. We are healed. And so today I have to me, I think probably the greatest challenge of, of this series and, and, and why it's, it's, it's kind of complicated. Um, when you talk about God being a healer, there are so many different camps. 
There are the camps that, that God does not heal, and there are the camps that God does heal, and there are the camps that God sometimes heals. Um, and then, not only are you battling with, with certain theologies, or I would say it this way, understandings, um, you're battling with a lot of experiences. And as a pastor, I, I can tell you that, um, that it is none less complicated for me than it is for you. I can tell you that. Uh, because I've, I've done the funerals, right? And, and I've sat with the families and I've been in the room when someone stepped into eternity that I felt like it wasn't time for. And, and so having watched that on so many different occasions and, and been a part of that and how difficult it is. And, and then if you will, walking the family through that, um, to maintain a belief that God could heal when sometimes you don't see it, becomes complicated. Um, that being said, I was raised to believe that God heals. That being said, I have been miraculously healed twice. Um, and, and you have to understand, when I was very, very young, well, first of all, when I was born, uh, my legs were turned in. They told me I wouldn't be able to walk right, and I wouldn't play sports, and I walk right, and I played all the sports. Um, I was also born partially paralyzed. Uh, they didn't even tell my parents at the hospital. I don't know how you cannot mention something like that to the parents, but somehow it was overlooked in the paperwork. And uh, my mom noticed my head, I couldn't move my head. It just laid on my shoulder. And she had, obviously I'm the second born in our family. And so um, she started noticing this child is not developing as the other child did. And now we could go into the reality that I'm weird and, and I should not be measured by Mark. But, but, but there are some physical things that you start to notice as a mom. And, uh, and so she didn't take me to the doctor. She took me to the church. And there was a missionary evangelist, and he was there just speaking. And, um, and so he, he, at the end, we used to have altar calls where you came forward for prayer, similar to how we do them today. And she took me down to this man and said, hey, there seems to be something wrong with my little boy. Uh, I was just a baby still, but, but he's not able to move his head. He can't, can't get, if you set his head up, it just falls back over. It's kind of sad. And, uh, and so he prayed. And then as he was leaving a small church, my grandfather was the pastor. As he was leaving, he came up to my mother again. He said, I, I feel impressed to pray one more time for your son. And, um, and it wasn't like a, a really, really theologically powerful um, call, fire down from heaven prayer. My mom remembers it as very simple. But she also remembers the next morning I started moving my head up. And so, and so it wasn't until I was seven years old and started playing Little League. And because I'm an Amazon and I look like I'm 40 when I'm seven, everybody wanted to see my birth certificate that had to play against me because I was a pitcher and I was a little bit intimidating because I was, you know, I was a hundred pounds and a foot more than everybody else on my team. And uh, yeah, it's big boy problems. And so anyways, um, uh, so we went and got the birth certificate and on the birth certificate, in fact, I still have it. It's stamped partial paralysis of the right side. And so God healed me. Then there was a time when I was hemorrhaging. In fact, you would say I probably hemorrhaged to death and God put life back in me. I was, I was young. And uh, yeah, and we, I had a grandpa that just believed God was a healer and that man knew how to pray. And so on our way to the, on, on, I passed out. Um, I was probably four or five years old and was hemorrhaging uh, in my tonsils and throat. And uh, was just coughing up blood. I don't want to gross you out. Um, but 
they thought I was dying. And, uh, and so, um, they called my grandfather because he brought us all back to life at some point. And, uh, I'm serious. No, I'm like, you don't understand how serious I am. And so, uh, it, it gives me great comfort to know that he's in heaven. And I think he's with Jesus still making intercession for me. And so, so anyways, uh, but they stopped to get pop on the way to the ER and we had a blue conversion van. Mark and I have blue conversion van chronicles from all the adventures in our family's blue conversion van. I had the side mufflers. We all were burned by the mufflers. Some of you, it's like in the 70s. Had the big sliding door. Um, if I had it today, I'd paint it black and put A-team on the side. Anyways, um, but, um, but I was laying. I don't know the story. I was unconscious. I remember it happening. I remember when it started. It was very traumatic. I remember when it started. I was sitting in my little red rocking chair with the little yellow seat watching cartoons with Mark when I started coughing up blood. And, um, and then I, I don't remember the rest. And, uh, and so, but my grandfather, as they tell me, he got in the blue conversion van between the captain's chairs, if you will. And my mom's holding me as before he had car seats and seat belts. Well, I think we had them, but we didn't use them. And so, so, but he's, he's, uh, my grandfather just starts praying in, in the van. And at this point I'd gone completely white and it stopped moving, was passed out. And uh, he started praying. He prayed all the way from our house to the ER, which is probably 20 minutes. I don't know how fast dad was driving, but I'm saying that he can drive. So maybe 15. <laughs> and so anyways, um, but by the time we pulled in the parking lot of the ER, the bleeding had stopped. The color in my face and body had returned. My temperature had come back to normal and I was ready to go home. And so, so what I say is I have those experiences. And so... And, and I could share so many more miracles that I've seen, but I've lived some. And, and so when you approach this topic, I guess I do it with a little bit of, of respect. If you're here and you had a bad experience uh, or, or just an experience, then I understand that. Like I said, I've, I've preached the funeral. Um, but when I look at the word of God, I've got to ask myself, am I trying to shape God's word into my understanding? Or am I trying to let God's word shape me by revelation? And I think, I think that's the question we always have to ask ourselves when we approach the Word of God. That uh, So many times what concerns me so many times is that people get the Word of God and, and they start changing its meaning and interpretation to, to fit what their experience is or what they're comfortable with. And I feel like that's a wrong approach every time. I feel like whether I can understand it or not isn't the question. The question is, what is God trying to reveal to me through his word? So with that, I want to go to Matthew chapter 4 and and just read a couple of verses. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, if you will. And it says, Jesus went throughout. So Jesus has, he's got Peter, Andrew, he's a fivesome. He's got Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Uh, he's just begun his ministry. This is not his first miracle. His first miracle was creating a winery at a wedding, um, unless your denominations against that. And then he was he started Welch's, and so um, and so. Anyways, Matthew four twenty three. Um, <laughs> Welch's is so thrilled. Can I just say Welch's is so thrilled that that they are the chosen substitute for wine among churches. And we should buy stock in them. Anyways, um, Matthew 23, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And we've talked a lot about that. And healing every disease and sickness 
among the people. This is not my language. This is the Bible. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain. The demon possessed, again, I didn't write it, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them, one version says, all. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across from the Jordan followed him. I called this message front page news. Front page news. And the reason I called it front page news was when Jesus started his ministry, and for the next three years, physical manifestations, if you will, and I'm not always crazy about that very religious, charismatic term, but, but physical displays of healing and deliverance and power became front page news. Healing every kind of sickness and disease became front page news. It spread about him and crowds followed him. Notice that this is Jesus the Messiah and what is not on the front page is that he is going to forgive sin. What is not on the front page is that he is going to go to a cross. They don't know that. What is not on the front page is that he is the Messiah. They still don't know that. But what they know is if sick people get to him, then they are made well. And it became front page news. And my concern is that when Jesus ministered, healing was always front page news. Whereas today it has become a back page opinion column. And so with that, we're going to pray. (laughs) Father, we need your grace. We need your help. We need your wisdom. Um, And God, we, we are here just to hear from you. That you would reveal yourself. That you would speak. Um, and God, that, that we would see you clearly. God, give us, give us the faith, really, just to trust your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I forgot to welcome those watching online. Hello, if you're watching online, we're so glad to see you. And also our house campus and College Station. Good to see you guys. Front page news. Uh, three things you may want to write down if you're taking notes. And I tried to make these very, very very, very simple and, and at the same time, theologically accurate. And I will, I will, we will go through so much scripture and I took so much scripture out. And so today, if you're one of those people, you're like, pastor, I don't like it when you get loud and excited. It's a great day for you because I'm going to have to stay calm to get us through this. All right. Are you with me? And so, uh, so, so three things, write this down. Number one, our sin and sickness were paid for at the cross. Our sin and sickness. Now here, here's what I would say. We don't, we don't really have a problem with the fact that our sin was paid for. I think most believers in Christ, we have, to, we have to start there, that our sin was paid for at the cross. In fact, if you believe in Jesus Christ today, and if I said, hey, do you believe that your sin was paid for at the cross, you're going to tell me yes. And if you don't tell me yes, we have a bigger problem. But when we put sickness in there, we get really uncertain about it. But we just read Isaiah 53, and in one verse... Not a change in verse, not a change in thought, not a change in concept or context. In one verse, it says he was wounded for our transgressions, and by his stripes we are healed. By the way, all throughout the Bible, you'll find sin and sickness in the same verse being atoned for. Let, let, me, let me just give you some, some examples. Psalm 103, verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sin, and heals all 
your diseases. Now, before you start shaping this, oh, yes, yes, we are healed someday. We are healed in heaven. Healing actually means this. Okay, then you need to understand the word diseases means diseases. And I'm not trying, hear me, I'm not trying to be sarcastic or arrogant. I just think sometimes we start bending something into our experience that, that, that soothes us because then we have the closure of being able to make something make sense. And if you're going to really embrace the gospel of the kingdom, you're going to have to be okay with mystery. You're going to have to be okay with it being beyond your understanding. And you're going to have to be okay with not having all the answers. I certainly don't. Are you with me? But in the same verse that he forgives, he was wounded for our transgressions. It also says, by stripes we're healed. There's some other verses. Um, Isaiah 33, 24, it says, and the inhabitant, that's, that's uh, the church, by the way, that's Zion, uh, one version says, so that's the church. The inhabitant um, will say, will not say, do you see that? Will not say, I'm sick. And the people who dwell in and it will be, <laughs> the camera was in the way from my cue card back there. The people, <laughs> y'all, y'all think I quote all these scriptures, I just read them off the back. But it says, and the habit will say, I am sick, and the people who dwell in it will be forgiven their iniquities. I am not sick, and we are forgiven of our iniquity. Same verse. Isaiah, again, prophesying about Israel. Here, here's, here's another one. First Peter 2.24, it's a direct quotation, direct quotation to Isaiah 53, and it says, Peter said, and he himself bore our sins. Now, we all believe that. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree, right? Um, That we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness. And we believe in that. And then it says, by his stripes you were healed. Interesting, he's quoting Isaiah, but he changes the verb. Isaiah said, you are healed, present. Peter says, you were healed. Now, what's the difference? What's the difference? This is the position of the timeline and the cross. Isaiah is looking 700 years forward to a cross and says right there is where you are healed. And Peter is about 30 years after the cross writing and saying right there is where you were healed. That's the difference. And and so this this is, again, sin and sickness in the same verse. The reality is that Jesus bore our sin, and I think we're okay with that, but he bore our sickness. Uh, Matthew 8, verse 16, it says, when evening evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself, look at this, took our infirmities, that's our weaknesses, and bore our sicknesses. He took our infirmities and he bore, he bore our sicknesses. And what does that mean? Did he bear our sin? In the same way he had to bear our sickness. Now, here's the question that everybody wants to ask, so I'll ask it and then I'll answer it. Okay, pastor, I hear you. I hear you that Jesus bore our sickness. That's what you're saying. But, and, and sometimes big butts do lie. But I had this experience. I had this experience. 
So if Jesus bore our sickness, then, then why do people get sick? And yet, why do people even die of sickness? Okay, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus bear our sin? Do people still sin? Do you still sin? Do Christians still sin? Now, if you're sitting here saying, no, you just sinned. Okay? Hypocrite. Burn in hell. And so anyways, um, <laughs> but, but is it true? I mean, I don't know about you, but I still sin. I'd love to tell you that I don't. If you need a pastor that tells you that, just find one that's good at lying. But, but I still sin, right? It's not my aim. <laughs> it's not my goal. But, but I still sin. Um, I have been saved, but I am now being saved. Are, are you with me? And so, and so I still sin. And, and could we even go a step farther and say that didn't, didn't, doesn't the word of God say that it's not, he is not willing that any should perish. That would be dying their sin. But yet at the same time, couldn't we say people are dying in their sin today? Right. This is why we have to get them to a worship experience. This is why we have to go to our neighbors and to our friends and to our coworkers, because the only thing standing between some people and an eternal hell is you. And, and so this is why we do worship. This is why you should be inviting and bringing somebody because you may be the roadblock to somebody's highway to hell. Are you with me? And so it's true. So, so if it's true that Jesus paid for our sin, and if it's true yet that we still sin, and if it's true even more so that some will die in their sin, then why wouldn't it be true to say Jesus paid for our sickness while it is true that sometimes we're still going to get sick and while unfortunately in this world, people are still going to die of sickness. Romans 5.12 tells us why, actually. It says, Adam sinned, and so sin entered the world. This is why you sin. This is why I sin. Because we live in a world that is full of sin. Right? But not only that, according to Paul, sin brought death. Do you see that? Adam's sin brought death. So then death spread to everyone because everyone sinned. So we live in a world where there are two things at work constantly in this world, sin and death, sin and death. So why do we still sin? Sin's in the world. Why, 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 are, why are we still getting sick? Death is in the world. Are you with me? Now, just as sin and death are in the world, if you read Paul's writings in Romans 5, he's going to tell you that even though through the disobedience of one man, death entered the world, how much more by the obedience of Jesus Christ can we now reign in life, that life? So what does it work in the world? Sin, death, righteousness, and life. Right? So sin and death are in the world, but now through Christ, righteousness and life are in the world. Right? He didn't come so we could act better. He came because we were dead and we were dead in sin. And by grace, he has given us a gift of righteousness and life. And Paul says, now we can reign by that life in this world. 
Now, if you'll remember in, in, in week number, week number one, I said this, I said, when we're talking about sin, we need to understand there's a penalty and, and, and a power and a presence of sin. All right. And that Christ coming saved us from the penalty of sin, that we will never have to pay for our sin, that Jesus paid for our sin. And because Jesus paid for our sin, we won't have to pay for our sin. We, it would be like God would be unjust to ask us to pay for our sin because it's already been paid for. And he paid for all sin, past, present, and future, right? If you sin today, he's not going to die again tomorrow. He, he's paid for it all, right? All right. Some of you, I don't believe he, he paid for future sin. Okay. You got a problem because he was crucified a long time ago. He paid well before you sinned. So, so it has to cover all. The penalty of sin has been paid for. Now, in this world, we are, we are overcoming the power of sin. Romans 6, right? For sin does not have dominion or power over you because you're not under law, but under grace. So here's this new covenant, old covenant, new covenant. Under the new covenant, we are freed from the power of sin, meaning that we have a choice. Now we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. We have, we have God's grace and God's power so that now we can overcome sin. Are you with me? But there will be, there will be a day that we are delivered from the presence of sin. Are you with me? If that is true of sin, that is true of sickness. That right now we, we have been delivered from the penalty of sickness, meaning sickness will not actually end our life. It could take this body, but it won't take our life. Are you with me? So there is no penalty of sickness anymore. We are freed from the penalty of sickness. But now look at this. But now we have power over sickness. And one day we will be delivered from the presence of sickness, right? Power over sickness, Luke chapter 9, verse 1. And Jesus called them together and gave them power and authority to cast out demons and to heal all diseases. He gave them power. So Jesus gave his followers power and authority to, to, and by the way, you need both of those. He said, all authority. What is that? That's the divine right, right? That's our, that's our place. That's where we operate from, right? If you're a police officer, the badge is your authority. The gun is your power. Are you with me? And so, and so he has given us, he has deputized us right? And given us authority, but also gave us power by the Holy Spirit to go and heal the sick. Do you see that? And so we have, we have to understand, we have to understand that Jesus bore our sin and he bore our sickness. Here's the second thing that we have to understand is that everything that God offers is given. And look at these last two words by grace. By grace, how are you saved? Someone say, "What, well, Pastor Adam? How do I receive? How do I receive healing? How do I receive healing? By grace, everything that that heaven has afforded you, everything that the kingdom of God can offer you, it comes one way: by grace, right? Now, I know some of you are thinking, yeah, but there's another part. But I want to focus on the by grace part. And I'll tell you why. Ephesians 2, verse 8. This is the verse you're thinking about if you're a Bible thumper. All right? Um, Bible thumpers are people who love their Bible. And so I'm a Bible thumper. 
right? I have a real one, like not a digital one, because I need the paper. Because I feel the Holy Spirit when I hear the, I just feel it right there, because I'm old school. And so it says, for it is by grace, by grace, right? How am I say, by grace, you have been saved. Now here's the part we, we know is coming next, through faith, and it is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Let's just let's walk through it one more time. It's by grace, by grace. Amen. You've been saved through faith. It's not of you. It is a gift. Are gifts achieved or received? Not by works. I think Paul is trying to drive a point home. Not by works. So no one can boast. There will be no bragging rights in heaven. The only bragging rights become to, belong to Jesus. Are you with me? It is, it is by grace. And I want to focus on that part. It is by grace that everything comes. Because I think we focus too much on the through faith. Because we are so conscious of ourselves and cognizant of our sin that I think so many times, if we're not careful, we will turn our part, faith, into a work. Yes, that's right. Are you with me? And it comes, everything comes by grace. How am I saved? By grace. How am I healed? By grace. Right? How am I delivered? By grace. How do I have peace? By grace. How can I have joy? By grace, right? It is all by grace. It is the goodness and the mercy of God that has provided everything that, that I'm not focusing on me. And so many times we, we get in this and there are these camps, right? There's camps of God doesn't heal and God does heal and everything in the middle. And unfortunately on the side, sometimes where it says God does heal, they, they come to this if you have enough faith. And I think that's a wrong approach. And the reason is these people are already in pain and suffering and now we're telling them that they're not, they haven't self-qualified for God's grace yet. And once you, once you get to that place, you've made faith a work. It is by grace through faith that works. Okay? So let me explain that. In other words, everything comes, I think I've explained this part, by grace. But there is a faith component we have to believe. Now, how much faith do we have to have? Here's, let me answer this question. Not much. Right? I, I, I don't mean this in a bad way because I love people who teach on faith and that kind of thing. And I'm not trying to in any way uh, minimize th our part of faith. But I'm afraid there's a people running around like who has the faith meter that decides when I have enough faith? And how do I know when I have enough faith? I like the man who brought his son to the disciples, right? And, and he said, can y'all do anything for my boy? Because he is all types of, he is a hot mess, right? He has got problems. And Jesus was up on the mountain and comes down and the disciples weren't able to fix it, right? And, and, the, and the father says, I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't do anything. Can you do anything? And Jesus said, can you believe? I love the man's response. Because what he says is, I believe but help my unbelief. 
I don't know about you, but this man did not get saved because Jesus, or, or his, his son did not get delivered because Jesus marveled at this man's great faith. This man was just like me because I found in my life when I'm believing for God, they're, they're believing, believing and trying to have faith, there are, there are a couple things that work in my life. Like I have this faith, like God, I want you to. God, I hope you can. And yet I have this doubt, like God, I don't know. I don't know, can you, will you? I'm not sure, like there's fear. What if you don't? I don't know how this is gonna end up. And I found it might, maybe it's just me. Maybe you are all so perfect that you don't ever deal with reality, right? Because you got a Bible study. But I'm just saying for, for some of us who have to live this out, there are times, right, where, where like John Wayne said, it's not that we're not scared. We just saddle up anyway. Are you with me? And we say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you even when I'm struggling to. And then Jesus heals the man or heals his boy. It wasn't because of his great faith. It's by faith, by grace through whatever faith we have, because that's what we got to work with. Faith that works. We don't work, but faith works. Faith without works is dead. So faith has to do something. Like if you proclaim faith in God, but you don't live any differently, you don't believe any differently, you don't do any differently, you got dead faith, right? You have to, faith, faith compels us towards something. And so it's, it's by grace through faith that, that works. My concern is that the focus has to be on God's goodness. Like if you're needing to receive something today, I don't want you to focus on your faith today. I don't want you to focus on your sin today. I don't want you to focus on you today. I want you to focus on Jesus today, right? What does Hebrews um, chapter 12, verse 2 say? Hebrews 12, verse 2 says, um, how do we live this life that God has called us to? By keeping our eyes on Jesus. Look at this. Jesus, who initiates and perfects our faith. Hold up. That's in your Bible. Do you just see what that said? Who initiates your faith? Who perfects it? I don't think y'all are convinced of what the word, I, I don't have a special Bible. I sent them a reference and they looked it up on their Bibles in the video stuff, right? So I didn't say, hey, change this verse for my sermon. Do you see what that says? How do we live the overcoming life? Because that's what Paul is talking about. How do we overcome sin and death that is in this world? Because that is the context of this chapter. How do we overcome it? By fixing our eyes on Jesus. Jesus qualifies. If you focus on Jesus, you are qualified. If you focus on yourself, you will be disqualified from everything, right? Because we sin and we fall short, right? But if we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, who is our righteousness, who has justified us, who has made us right, who is the mediator of our covenant with God, right? Who is the one interceding. If we keep our eyes, I think a lot of people don't get things from God because you're still focused on you. You're you're still looking at what's wrong with you, how you messed up. Could you have enough faith? Could you? I told you I was not going to yell, but, but it's good preaching. And you are focused on you. And when we're focused on us, we can't receive by grace. We are, we are in the, we are on the side of works. We're trying to be good enough, pray enough, have enough faith, give enough, do enough, serve enough, whatever. And we are focused on us, but everything God offers comes by grace alone. We have folk, we 
fixed our eyes on Jesus. Am I messed up? Yes, but it's, God's not looking at me. He's looking at Jesus, right? Do I have enough faith? Probably not, but I got just a little bit and I'm looking at Jesus. We, we stay focused on That's how, that's how you win, is you stay focused on Jesus. Here's the last thing. You may want to write this down, the last thing. Now, this one's going to shake you up. Some people are not going to like point number three, because it says those who follow Jesus have been given power over sickness. Now, I know, I know some of you are like, oh, I don't believe that. It's okay. It's okay. You can still go to church here if you don't believe it. Right? It's totally Okay. But it's what the Bible says. Now, again, not, not trying to be arrogant. I don't have it all figured out. Um, not, not trying to be sarcastic because this is too sensitive a topic. But I'm just telling you that those who follow Jesus have been given power over sickness. Now, I read Luke chapter 9, verse 1, a minute ago. I'm going to read another verse in just a second. But in Luke chapter 9, um, he, he, he called his... Followers together, all 12 disciples, including Jesus, Judas, and you believe grace doesn't work. That would preach right there. I'm just saying, like we're so, I don't have enough faith. He gave Judas power. I, I, I wish, I, I don't know, I probably never happened, I don't know, but I so wish there was a miracle that Judas performed. That would help my sermon today. Because we're so disqualifying ourselves because we don't have it together, we don't have enough faith, and we messed up, and he gave Judas power. We, right? So Luke 9, he, he called his disciples, he said, I'll give you power to go heal the sickness. Now, now, some people say, well, that was the 12 disciples. And our, our, our um, sensationalists believe that, that all the miracle working power of God stopped after the, the, apostol- the, the last apostles because the miracles were to substantiate who Jesus was, right? And, 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 and then it wasn't necessary. That the power of God was necessary to start the church, but not necessary to continue it. Now, let me just say something about that. Do we really want a church that is built in our power and we're the ones having to carry the banner? And like, is that what, because I'm out on that one because I know how much I need Jesus to do what I do. Right? (laughs) Like, I don't want to do this on my own because it won't work. I'm sorry. Um, no, no, no. And, and here's the problem. Jesus' miracles were, were not to prove he was the Messiah. Jesus' miracles were a di- direct result of his message, which was that the kingdom of God had come to the earth. In fact, he said it this way. He said, if I cast out demons by, Beel- by, by the spirit of God, because they were accused of being a devil. And so he talks about Beelzebub. And then he says, but wait a second. If I cast out demons by the spirit of God, look at this. The kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, what's been in almost every text? Cast out demons, heal the sick. Cast out demons, heal the sick. So we, say, so we say this, if I heal by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come. So all Jesus was doing was living his, his message. The same message he asked us to proclaim. Because I'm going to read some scriptures, but here's what I'm going to say. If we find some scriptures where Jesus told his followers, and we're his followers, to go, to go heal the sick... And then we believe that he doesn't heal the sick. Then 
we got to ask the question, then, then, then why did he tell us to do it? Are, are you with me? Like, this is a little confusing to me. It's kind of like people that say, well, God put sickness on you to teach you. Well, you better learn. I mean, I, as a pastor, I've dealt with that. Like, pastor, will you pray for me? God's made me sick to teach you. So I'm like, why would I pray for you? I can, you can't get better. You better learn it. I hope you pass the test before time runs out. And it sounds facetious, but I'm just saying, sometimes I do that just to shake us a little bit because sometimes I think we believe things that I don't even know if we really believe, but they're like spiritual platitudes that we just kind of throw out there, you know? And, and, and so here's what I say. If we got a God who, who allowed his son to be beaten for healing and then turns around and makes us sick, we got, a, we got some confusion in the Godhead somewhere. Are, are you with me? So if we have a Jesus who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, who was and is and is to come. And, and he has told his followers to go heal the sick. Yet, there is no healing today. We got to take a lot out of the Bible. We got to take a lot out of the New Testament that we love so much. Let me just read you some scriptures. How about that? Okay, so, so we said that, that he gives... He gives his followers' power. And we saw that the 12, uh, Luke, Luke, uh, Luke 9. He gave them authority and power to heal the sick. Um, and by the way, there, if you study the Bible, there are a lot of ways that God heals. Uh, probably seven categorically that you could put together. Uh, but he, he's given us his name. He's given us his word. He's given us prayer. He's given us faith. Sometimes healings are initiated by God. Sometimes healings are initiated by people. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? God didn't initiate that healing. She did. Are you with me? And so, so a lot of ways that God heals. But, but I want to read Luke 10. This is one chapter later. And the reason I want to read this is because you may be saying, well, he sent his, his disciples out to heal the sick, and that's where it stopped. But now in Luke chapter 10, now there are 70 people that he took through healing school, apparently, because he sends them out too. So let's read this, Luke chapter 10, verse 8. It says, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what's set before you. Look at this, and heal the sick there. And tell them the good news that God's kingdom has come near. So, so he, he started with the 12, and now we have 70. And he sends the 70 out and says, heal the sick. He didn't even say pray for them. He just said heal them. All right. Um, James 5, verse 14. Is anyone sick among you? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, right? Anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. Now, we got a problem if Jesus told the leaders of the church to go pray for sick people, but he doesn't intend to heal them. This is, this is in the book of James, right? And this is not even in the Gospels. Calling the elders of the church and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up and they've committed sins it will be forgiven them. Look at Mark 16. Now, this is the Great Commission. Does anyone believe in the Great Commission? Is it, I mean, because if there's not a Great Commission, then we're really just waiting, right? There's, there's a great mission to be a part of, right? That's why we do more than just church attendance, right? Are you with me? We're out there preaching the gospel. When it's great, great Commission, this is Mark verse 16. I'm sorry, chapter 16, verse 15. He said, and he told them, go into all the world, and preach the good news. Now, we're okay with that one. But skip down to verse 18. 
and they will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be, it's a great commission. It's a great commission. We, the reason I use this is because we all say that we're supposed to be doing the great commission. This is another way that God heals the laying on of hands, right? Through an impartation of touch. That's all it is. The place of agreement of touch, right? But I'm saying, we say, oh, pastor, we're committed to the great commission. My question is, are we praying for the sick? Are we healing the sick? Are we placing our hands on the sick and expecting them to get better? Because that's in the great commission. That Jesus gave his followers power over sickness. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 9 tells us that by the spirit, we have these gifts. And look at this. Say some have the gift of great faith. And people would say, oh, I would pray for the gift of great faith. I would love to have the gift of great faith. And there are times I've seen this, like, I think the way we're approaching building this campus, I feel like I've got great faith. I, I was out on site the other day and I was telling our, our superintendent out there, I said, I don't really even think about it. I don't lose sleep about it. I have no idea how we're going to do it. I just feel like it's done. I've kind of moved on to the next thing. I'm just trusting. I'm praying. I speak the word, but I'm just saying I'm not fretting. You know, I'm not worrying. I'm not wringing my hands. I just kind of have this faith that it's settled with God. I don't know how that works because we don't have what we need. Like in four months, we're going to be done if, if we don't have some miracles along the way. Are you with me? But at the same time, I'm, it's okay. It's God's deal, right? Now we say we want the gift of faith, but look at this. Someone else, the spirit gives the gift of healing. Now, if God doesn't heal, it would seem so strange that he would give us a gift of healing to people. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? That, that God, listen to me very carefully. I think sometimes most of us only believe that healing comes one way. God initiated healing. And we are waiting for, for that dart to be thrown. We, we are waiting for that God-initiated healing. And we feel like the only way this can happen is if God sovereignly intervenes and heals me. Yet the Bible gives us the laying on of hands. The Bible gives us that believers actually have the power to heal. The Bible gives us faith in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus, Acts chapter 3, the lame man laid at the gate, beautiful, begging for, for, for alms, the old King James says, in other words, for money. And, and, and he asked Peter and John, could I get some dough? Yo. And, and they said, we have no dough, yo, but we can pray for you and you can go into the house of the Lord. And they said, silver and gold we don't have, but whatever we have, what do they have? The kingdom. We give to you in the name of, Je in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. There it is. They didn't pray for him. They used the name. So we have the name and we have the word. We have laying on of hands. We have prayer, right? We have anointing with all me. These are all ways that God has healed um, throughout his word. And what I would love for you to hear is that God heals through you. Because I think sometimes we relegate this. Well, God heals through the pastor. No, 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 no. None of the Peter. Peter was never a pastor. So if God heals through the pastor, then Peter's shadow didn't heal people. God heals through believers that follow him. And I want to give you one, one more way that, that God heals. And that is that, that not only does God heal through other people, 
But you need to understand that God's healing power is in you. Now, we read 1 Corinthians 12, verse 9, and it says that to some, by the Spirit, he gives faith, and by the Spirit, he gives gifts of healing. So how do these things come? By the Spirit. Why? The kingdom of God is in the Spirit, right? If I, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God has, has come upon you, right? The kingdom of God is not about what you eat, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where's the kingdom? In the Spirit. So, so the Spirit is the you know, executing arm of the kingdom, if you will. Now the question becomes, because people need to be healed, so are we waiting on God to do something in heaven? No. We have the Spirit of God here. Romans 8, verse 11. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, then the spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken or give life to your mortal bodies. Can I just sidebar right here? There's something I pray that I think a lot of people don't pray about. About a year ago, I started praying every day, not for healing, but for health. And this is scripture I use. God, today I thank you that your spirit gives life to my body and it quickens my body. So I bless every cell, right? Every organ, every joint, bone, muscle, right? I, I bless it with health and life by the Holy Spirit that is living in me. Now, I just say that because I can say, truthfully, since I've started praying that, I haven't been sick. Now, I'm not saying I won't get sick. sick sickness is in the world. I'm just saying I have power over it if it shows up. And I think sometimes we forget to pray for healing Right? Or we forget to pray for health and we only pray for healing. But you have the power of a life-giving spirit inside of you that brings health to your... Are you, are you with me? Here, here's where I'd like to, to, to land this plane. All right? So, so how do we... How, how can we be healed? Very simply, believe, ask, receive, and confess. Right? So I'll give you one verse. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, if whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you receive it and it will be yours right? You ask, you believe, you receive, and I think you confess, right? Um, by the heart we believe, but with mouth confession is made, right? That's Romans 10. Um, let me say one more thing. When we say it is finished, what do we mean? And here's what I mean by that. Today, if someone wants to give their life to Jesus, if they want to take part in this free forgiveness of God's grace, where he completely covers and blots out your sin, and washes you and cleanses you, the Bible says, from all of your unrighteousness. Let me ask you a question. Is God actually going to have to do anything for someone to be saved today? Did, did he already do it? Could we agree that when Jesus said it is finished, it was finished? So, so we agree that today if someone actually wanted to be saved, God would actually not have to do anything because he had already paid for it or has already paid for it. It would just take the person to ask, believe, receive, and confess. If someone was sick today, why do we believe God would need to do something? Oh, we struggle. I just ran right into a wall right there. I felt it. <laughs> I mean, it's like, nope. (laughs) 
think about it. He was wounded for our transgression by his stripes. We are, we were healed. If someone wants to be saved today, does God have to do anything? Why? He's already done it. If someone needed to be healed today, does God have to do anything? Why? He's already done it. And the fact that we are waiting on God to do something He has already done may be what is hindering us from receiving what He's already paid for. Are you with me? Why don't you stand with me?